loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for giving us an opportunity to be among the living today. We pray, Father, that as we go through the words of our devotion, that you would grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit to rightly divide the word of truth and to understand it. We all have different challenges in our lives, defects in characters that need to be remedied. And like the studies we'll be having, we realize that we have been drinking of waters that do not quench our thirst. We pray, Lord, that today as we study your word, that we will indeed find that water that will spring up into everlasting life in our lives. Grant to me of your spirit and put your words in my mouth as I speak to the edification of your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 15 Confrontation at Jacob's Well Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John chapter 4 verse 14 when Jesus sat down to rest at Jacob's well, he had come from Judea, where his ministry had produced little fruit. He was faint and weary, yet he did not neglect the opportunity of speaking to one woman, though she was a stranger, an alien from Israel, and living in open sin. As the woman talked with Jesus, she was impressed with his words. She realized her soul, her soul thirst, which the waters of the well of Sika could never satisfy. Nothing that had hitherto come in contact with her had so awakened her to a higher need. Jesus had convinced her that he read the secrets of her life, yet he felt that he was a friend, pitying and loving her. While the very purity of his presence condemned her sin, he had spoken no word of denunciation, but had told her of his grace that could renew the soul. Leaving her water pot, she returned to the city to carry the message to others. With heart overflowing with gladness, she hastened on her way to impart to others the precious light she had received. Come. See a man which told me all things that, I, that ever I did, she said to the men of the city. Is not this the Christ? Her words touched their hearts. There was a new expression on her face, a change in her whole appearance. They were interested to see Jesus. As soon as she had found the Savior, the Samaritan woman brought others to him. She proved herself a more effective missionary than his own disciples. Their thoughts were fixed upon a great work to be done in the future. They did not see that right around them was a harvest to be gathered, but through the woman whom they despised, a whole city full 
were brought to hear the Savior. This woman represents the working of a practical faith in Christ. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life. The receiver becomes a giver. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Confrontation at Jacob's Well. And we are looking at the encounter of a woman who was living a life of sin with Jesus, the truth. And from her, we are going to learn the right way to respond. And also we will learn how if we are representatives of Jesus, how to approach people not every case but at least one way to approach people who are living in open sin reading from the book of john chapter 4 from verse 5 it says then cometh he that's jesus to a city of samaria which is called saika near the parcel of ground that jacob gave to his son joseph now jacob's well was there jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink? thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. In, thou, in that sayest thou truly. I'll stop here for now. And I want to just read some uh, explanation of what this particular encounter with this woman was like. But suffice to know, if you listen to the conversation between Jesus and this woman, Jesus already knows who she is. He is God. He knows her in and out. And that's why he was able to tell her, you are saying the truth. You have actually had five husbands before now. Who, Which person could have such information about her? She knew that only by divine revelation could Jesus know this. But if you look at Jesus' conversation with her, you can tell that he's trying to get at something so that he can win her confidence, so that, so that she can have confidence in him as someone that means well. 
When Jesus used the illustration of what he had before him, it teaches us that we should meet people where they are. The discussion they had was on what was important to that woman at the time. Jesus himself was thirsty and the woman came to draw water. If you read John chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4, the Bible says that Jesus was almost even like to the point of death out of hunger and thirst and he actually wanted to drink water. He was not joking there. But when this woman came, he used his own need which was similar to the woman's own need to reach her. They had a point where they could discuss. That teaches us the lesson that we can take advantage of our own needs, which is in common with other people's needs, to win them over to the truth, to strike up, to bring up a discussion where we can channel the mind to Jesus Christ, to the truth. And that is what Jesus did here. He brought the mind of the woman to the Messiah. But how? Through his need and the woman's need, a common need that they had. So you may meet someone who has a common need like yourself, maybe for a job, maybe for a child, maybe poverty, maybe striking the two of you. Or it could be that there is something going on in the nation that is a common problem for all of us. Jesus used that to draw the people's mind, which he also could identify with, to draw the mind of the woman. And we could use it to draw the mind of people away from that problem to give them an everlasting solution. The woman had the problem of thirst, which Jesus also had. And he was then promising her to give her water when he himself was thirsty. Using that discussion, he diverted it away to make her understand what the truth is and to lead her to himself, the Messiah. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 187, paragraph 3 says, Jesus did not convey the idea that merely one draught of the water of life would suffice the receiver. He who tastes of the love of Christ will continually long for more, but he seeks for nothing else. The riches, honors, and pleasures of the world do not attract him. The constant cry of his heart is, More of thee. And he who reveals to the soul its necessity is waiting to satisfy its hunger and thirst. Every human resource and dependence will fail. The cisterns will be empties, emptied, the pools become dry, but our Redeemer is an inexhaustible fountain. We may drink and drink again and ever find a fresh supply. He in whom Christ dwells has within himself the fountain of blessing, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. From this source he may draw strength and grace sufficient for all his needs. Amen. And the Lord is making us to understand from this reading now that there is something better that can be given to us based on the needs that we crave for in this world. This woman had a need. She wanted water. But Jesus was trying to let her understand that all the hustle and bustle for which we live in this world, there is, it, it will not satisfy us. Everything we gain cannot satisfy our thirst. The thirst here is like we, we, the things that we get in this world, thinking that it will give us happiness, thinking that it will give us peace, thinking that it will give us security and joy. But none of these things can secure us the thing that will actually give us peace, joy and hope. And what is that? Everlasting life. The riches, the honors and all the pleasures of this world cannot satisfy us. And the reason for that is just like it was for Solomon. We would reason it and realize that I'm going to die one day. 
And Jesus said that the kind of water he gives is not one that necessarily gives you riches and pleasure and honor, but it is one that satisfies the soul because it will spring up into what? Everlasting life. Do you see that everlasting life is more important than money, than honors, than pleasures? Have you gotten to understand that? Because that's what Jesus has to offer us. John 3.16, you see God constantly emphasizing the matter of eternal life, eternal life. And he tells us eternal life is important. It is not for everybody. It is a gift of God. Reading Romans chapter 6 verse 23 there says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Like I said before, John 3.16, God so loved the world, he sent his Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Jesus is that water that will quench the thirst, that if we receive him, he will give to us everlasting life. But in the conversation between Jesus and this woman, I just want to read this, reading from Desire of Ages, page 189, paragraph 3, says, And the, as the woman talked with Jesus, she was impressed with his words. Never had she heard such sentiments from the priests or her own people or from the Jews. As the past of her life had been spread out before her, she had been made sensible of her great want. She realized her soul thirst, which the waters of the well of Sica could never satisfy. Nothing that he had hitherto come in contact with her had so awakened her to a higher need. Jesus had convinced her that he read the secrets of her life. Yet, she felt that he was her friend, pitying and loving her. While the very purity of his presence condemned her sin, he had spoken no word of denunciation, but had told her of his grace that could renew the soul. She began to have some conviction of his character. The question arose in her mind, might not this be the long-looked-for Messiah? She said to him, I know that Messiah's comet which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus answered, I that speaketh unto thee am he. End of quote. Oh my, how I would have felt to have heard such a thundering word in my ears, thinking that the Messiah is far, far off and here this man that I'm discussing with then finally drops that bombshell. I've, I, the woman says, I, I've heard about the Messiah that is going to come and then the man says, which is Jesus, you are looking at him, he's standing right here before you. What a shock it would have been to the woman and also what a joy and what a sense of privilege she must have had that the Messiah has actually come and had stooped so low as to come to that well of water to talk with me. Brothers and sisters, do you know that Jesus is also stooping low just as he approached this woman at the well of water in Sychar to talk to you in your home? In the obscurity of your existence in this earth, you are not obscure to Jesus. Just as he approached this woman, he is approaching you through his word. Through these words I am speaking right now, the Lord wants to address your own case. The woman could realize what her own problem with was and Jesus could see in her soul what it was. She had been looking for purpose in life. She had been looking for a sense of existence. She had tried the first husband, second, third, fourth and the fifth and was finally living with another man, hoping, just like many women think today, that marriage is everything, that when you have a husband or a boyfriend or children, then I will have joy. But 
husband after husband after husband had failed her till she met Jesus and Jesus tried to make her understand you are trying to get peace and joy and happiness from the wrong source. Husband will not give you joy. Wife will not give you joy. Children is not a source of joy. The only thing that you will drink that will quench your thirst is to have Christ in your life. That is the only thing that can give you joy. An everlasting one at that. But is it only joy? No. He gives you eternal life. Just eternal life? No. We are told in the presence of God there is fullness of joy and abundance of pleasures forevermore. He gives you abundance of pleasures. The promises in the word of God will quench your thirst. What are you thirsting for? There are those who are thirsting for money. There are those who are thirsting for fame and wealth. There are those who are thirsting for honor. There are some who are thirsting for power. And they think that these things will make them happy. But Jesus is telling you today, that thing that you are hustling for, to the point that you are neglecting your soul's salvation, it's not going to help you. It's going to make you even more empty than you were before having it. When we gain what we want, for example, even certificates, people go to school and graduate and then, there's that emptiness that you feel when you are graduating and you wonder, who am I? What am I? Is this all there is to life? And then you start another one. Okay, let me get a job. And then when you get that one, you get the money too. And then you feel like, oh, when I get it, I'll finally be happy. But just as soon as you get it, you are down again, depressed. And there are some who find pleasures from entertainment. They support this football team or the other. And they are thinking that, oh, I'll get happiness when my club wins this particular cup or wins this particular match. And then they rejoice, but it's only for a season. And then there are others who try to get the pleasure from the substances that they take, from food, from drinks, from other drugs, thinking that those things will quench their thirst. All of us who are doing this, we represent this woman. There are those who, like the woman, think that it is by having a husband or by constantly having a sexual partner who will continue to give us pleasure. But what has been the end of it? Heartbreak emptiness that is what has been the end of it and this woman had tried husband after husband i mean who does that five husbands it's very rare to find that today but this woman had achieved this great feat of having five husbands to the point that she was now with another one who was not her husband wow but yet her thirst was not quenched and the approach of jesus to her is something that we can learn from when we see people who are living in open sin, how do we treat them? Well, we can learn from Jesus as to how to treat people who live in open sin. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 163, it says in paragraph 3 and downward, It is a delicate matter to deal with minds. Only he who reads the heart knows how to bring men to repentance. Only his wisdom can give us success in reaching the lost. You may stand up stiffly feeling, I am holier than thou. And it matters not how correct your reasoning or how true your words, they will never touch hearts. The love of Christ, manifested in word and act, will win its way to the soul when the reiteration of precept or argument would accomplish nothing. We need more of Christ-like sympathy, not merely sympathy for those who appear to us to be faultless, but sympathy for poor suffering struggling souls who are often overtaken in fall sinning and repenting tempted and discouraged 
we are to go to our fellow men touched like our merciful high priest with the feeling of their infirmities. It was the outcast, the publican and sinner, the despised of the nations that Christ called and by his loving kindness compelled to come unto him. The one class that he would not never countenance was those who stood apart in their self-esteem and looked down upon others." End of quote. What we learn from here, from Jesus' encounter with her, is what we should do when we see people who are living in sin. It is not by reiteration of precepts that we can help people come out of their sins. It is by what we read now, love manifested in words and acts. And to be specific, you know, people who live in sin know, many of them know already. And there is this barrier they already put up when you want to come and discuss with them. We, sh- we need to be intelligent and not necessarily bring up those things. Rather, show some love in the sense of knowing how they are doing and their well-being. It would be far more appropriate for you to give them the chance to bring it up themselves rather than you intruding into their own lives. As Jesus discussed with this woman, he simply asked the question and it was left for her to either answer it or not. She said, I have no husband and then he revealed to her his divinity and this woman did something that the disciples of Jesus could not do. She went within the vicinity of her own home and she spread the word as she could that she had seen the Messiah and the word kept on spreading from one person to another telling everyone that the Messiah is around. But how did Jesus achieve this? By winning her confidence and letting her know that he means well. The conversation he this, he had with her was just a normal conversation and it was true that, that the woman expressed her belief in him, telling the people to come and see that the Messiah was with her. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 190, paragraph 1 and 2, it says, As the woman heard these words, faith sprang up in her heart. She accepted the wonderful announcement from the lips of the divine teacher. This woman was in an appreciative state of mind. She was ready to receive the noblest revelation, for she was interested in the scriptures and the Holy Spirit had been preparing her mind to receive more light. She had studied the Old Testament promise. The Lord thy God will raise up to thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. She longed to understand this prophecy. Light was already flashing into her mind. The water of life, the spiritual life which Jesus gives to every thirsty soul, had begun to spring up in her heart. The Spirit of the Lord was working with her. End of quote. In John 4 verse 28 to 30, it says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Desire of Ages, page 190, paragraph 3 says, The plain statement made by Christ to this woman could not have been made to the self-righteous Jews. Christ was far more reserved when he spoke to them. That which had been withheld from the Jews and which the disciples were afterward enjoined to keep secret was revealed to her. Jesus saw that she would make use of her knowledge in bringing others to share his grace." End of quote. Now why did I read this last part? It is to make us understand how to deal with various kinds of people, various minds. When Jesus dealt with the Jews, like we just studied him discussing with Nicodemus, he never told Nicodemus, I am the Messiah. Why? Because the heart was prejudiced against him. 
And when we see people who are prejudiced against us, we must exercise the wisdom of the serpent like Jesus did with Nicodemus and with all the Jews. He never spoke plainly to them telling them I am the Messiah because he knew these people, their hearts was waxed gross, especially the leaders, the Pharisees and the priests. He didn't say it to them. But imagine this woman telling her clearly in very plain statement when the woman said, we have heard of the Messiah that will come. Jesus plainly said, I that standeth with you or that talketh with you, I am he. Go check the word of God. Before this time, you don't hear Jesus telling anybody very plainly, I am the Messiah. We must learn this wisdom. When we meet people who are open-minded, we can talk to them like Jesus did with his disciples and tell them very plainly. But when you meet people who are out to get you, who wants to pick a word from your mouth that they would use to harm you, that they would use against you, then you must be reserved like Jesus was reserved with them. He says, Christ was far more reserved when he spoke to them because of they were self-righteous Jews. Those who feel like, oh, we are the church, we are the elders, we are the leaders, we are the ones that open the gates of heaven to everybody and we are the ones to give you permission to do this and not to do that. With such people, you have to be reserved. But then, with those who understand their need like this woman, Jesus was open to her. Then another thing we can learn from here is how Jesus approached the woman like we were talking about before. Jesus represented the state of the Samaritan woman as the state of one who is thirsty and seeking for something to quench the thirst. She was drinking water in the form of seeking love and solutions in marriage from one man to another but here all attempts had failed. She had married five different men and none of the marriages worked. One can only imagine the situation that led to these failed marriages. She was now living in an adulterous life, living with a man that was not her husband. Many there are who are in this situation today. There are many young girls out there and women who are seeking to be acknowledged. They feel they cannot stay without a man. Girls go to school. They know they are not supposed to be living with another man, but yet they do it because they feel like their life is empty without a man in it. They will subject themselves to the most grievous and abusive treatments just so they can remain in a relationship as it is called. Others there are who have done abortion after abortion for the men whom they claim to love and who also claim to love them. But in the end, when they separate, maybe school is over, the drape is drawn over their eyes, the man leaves them and they are heartbroken. They cry and weep but to no avail. They have damaged themselves but yet they seek for another relationship. They seek it again. Like the Samaritan woman, they try another relationship and another and another and each time they are just left as empty or even more empty than they were before. To such people today, Jesus does not speak a word of condemnation to you. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes, rest is what you need. Then there are others who have a thirsty soul and seek to quench their thirst by one achievement or the other. They resort to the use of heroin, marijuana, tramadol, alcohol, codeine, and other harmful substances and practices to fill themselves. These drugs are like the five husbands of the Samaritan woman. People take them in the hope that these so-called pleasures will satisfy their thirsty souls. But like the Samaritan woman, after spending time with these five husbands, they are left empty and worse off than they were before spending time with the drugs. 
To such Jesus speaks. No word of condemnation but says, Come, you have labored for that which is not bread, and you have hewn for yourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. The cup you are using to draw to get water is broken under, so as the water is pouring in, it is also pouring out. Jesus says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 71, paragraph 2, and going downward, it says, Tenderly he bade the toiling people, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew 11, verse 29. In these words, Christ was speaking to every human being. Whether they know it or not, all are weary and heavy laden. All are weighed down with burdens that only Christ can remove. The heaviest burden that we bear is the burden of sin. If we were left to bear this burden, it would crush us. But the sinless one has taken our place. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 verse 6 He has borne the burden of our guilt. He will take the load from our weary shoulders. He will give us rest. The burden of care and sorrow also he will bear. He invites us to cast all our care upon him, for he carries us upon his heart. The elder brother of our race is by the eternal throne. He looks upon every soul, including you who are listening to me now, who is turning his face towards him as the Savior. He knows by experience what are the weaknesses of humanity, what are our wants, and where lies the strength of your temptation and mine too. For he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15 he is watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? He will enlighten. Are you wounded? He will heal. The Lord telleth the numbers of the stars, and yet he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Psalms 147 verse 4 and 3. Whatever your anxieties and trials, spread out your case before the Lord. Your spirit will be braced for endurance. The way will be open for you to disentangle yourself from embarrassment and difficulty. The weaker and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger will you become in His strength. The heavier your burdens, the more blessed the rest in casting them upon your, your burden bearer. Circumstances may separate friends, the restless waters of the wide sea may roll between us and them, but no circumstances, no distance can separate us from the Savior. Wherever we may be, He is at our right hand to support, maintain, uphold and cheer. Greater than the love of a mother for her child is Christ's love for His redeemed. It is our privilege to rest in His love, to say, I will trust in Him. For he gave his life for me. Human love may change, but Christ's love knows no change. When we cry to him for help, his hand is stretched out to save. The mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my loving kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall my covenant of peace be removed, saith Jehovah, that hath mercy on thee. Isaiah 54 verse 10. End of quote. 
And this word, these words I have read is for you and me who are having the burden of sin on us like this woman. Jesus has come to us too today and is saying to us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he wants to give us rest to take away our sins. And if we appreciate the work that the Lord has done for us in taking away our sins, we will, like this woman, be missionaries for him. We read in our devotion there from Conflict and Courage, page 294, paragraph 7. It says, This woman represents the working of a practical faith in Christ. Every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. He who drinks of the living water becomes a fountain of life. The receiver becomes a giver. End of quote. The Lord wants us to receive him to ourselves that we may give him to others. And if we receive him, all our life's burdens will be taken away and we'll be able to help others as missionaries. May the Lord give us the grace to do all this is my prayer. Let us pray. Our dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the words you have spoken to us today. We find in this Samaritan woman an experience of our own lives. We have had five husbands also, represented by our desire to quench our thirst by the things of this world and its pleasures. And many times it has failed us, but we keep trying it again and again. Lord, have mercy upon us. We pray, Father, that we shall receive you into our lives, that our thirst may be quenched. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us victory over the pleasures of sin that have held us bound for long. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Dream.
Dream.